Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. All right, we're not messing around on this Thursday morning. Good Thursday morning to you live at Grand Park. It is Kevin Bowen. It is Mark Dykton filling in from a... Jake Query will be sleeping until noon today, oh, right? for sure. Right, Marcus, 100%. he is uh, back from Wrigley. Saw Bruce Springsteen up there last night. But uh, to begin today's show, um, the guy that is sitting with us right now, I've labeled him as the Colts player that has, um, I don't know, made a name for himself. Maybe he would take offense to that. But I would say you have done a whole lot for you this offseason. That would be Daryl Baker Jr. First off, Daryl, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Thank you for joining us at the crack of dawn. And I forget if it was Zaire Franklin in the booth next to us a couple days ago, but someone asked about you. They said the name Daryl, and all of a sudden Zaire's like, you mean DJ? <laughs> so it, you, you've, you've become a household name. So for our fans out there, Colts fans out there, Daryl or DJ, what do you prefer? Uh, we could, Let's go with Daryl, man. A lot of people call me DJ, but not too many people know my real name is Daryl, so – Okay, so we're going with going with Daryl. Yes, sir. Um, how would you assess your offseason so far? Again, I feel like, and, and given the depth chart, I think we all knew cornerback reps were pretty wide open. You've entrenched yourself since the spring. You continue to do that through nine practices out here. How would you evaluate the offseason you've had so far? Uh, i say I've been pretty consistent, man, just uh, progressing each week and over time, just earning that trust uh, from my brothers and uh, my coaches and all of that. But, yeah, consistency is the biggest thing I could say. You seem to be relishing the opportunity of getting some starter reps, and then the preseason depth chart came out, and there you are right at the top. How's that feel? Uh, it feels pretty good, man. But like I always say, I just take it with a grain of salt. Just keep improving day by day, man. Just anything I could do to contribute to the team, I'm just going to do it because, you know, it's all about winning at the end of the day. So I'm just having fun with it. Again, Daryl Baker Jr. is with us here for Colts fans coming out to training camp, number 39. Um, again, an outside corner that is certainly going to run with the first unit, especially in that nickel package. You know, when they go three three corners, he is a part of that. Um, a little bit of your background. Born in Panama. Mm-hmm. Played at Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. Um, practice squad last year. What else am I missing on the George, or on the Daryl Baker Jr. background that you think fans should should know? Uh, walk on in college. Really? Yes, sir. Okay. Walk on zero scholarship opportunities. Um, have six siblings, so Ooh. it's a lot of us. Um, also have a kid on the way as well. Yes, we were chatting before the show started. Now Mark's got three daughters. Three daughters. I've, I've got a daughter. And a boy that'll be one, actually, I think a month from today, if I'm doing the math right. Um, you guys are welcoming a boy in, you said, in November? Yes, sir. And uh, you were giving us a little bit of a rundown. Um, if you don't mind sharing, the due date falls with what game on the Colts schedule? Uh, it's going to fall while we're in Germany playing the Patriots. So it's going to be it could be tough trying to make that birth of the baby depending on when he decides to come. That'll be a hell of a commute if that happens. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Can, I, can we red-eye Daryl back uh, for that? Now, the bye week is the next week, and I am the last person to tell your girlfriend, what is her name? Jade. 
I'm the last person to tell Jade, can we hold off maybe a couple yeah, days to right. get to the bye week? <laughs> but if we are talking about it, I think that would probably be the best thing for you guys. And obviously, congratulations on welcoming in thank your first you, child. Thank you. I pray, I pray he comes on the bye week, but not <laughs> the day before the game or on the game because that's a 13-hour flight. So <laughs> that, is, that is no joke. Mark, well, what advice would you have? I, uh, I, I, would, I would say with kids, uh, nothing is on schedule. So <laughs> you're, on your, you're on your own time usually when yeah. they get going. So good luck to you. I hope it falls on the, on the bye week as well, but kids have a schedule of their own. And I always said, said this to Maddie, my, my wife, I'm like, okay, what did we do last night that got them to sleep? Uh-huh. And, and then it's like we just kind of look at each other. We're like, oh, we have no idea if that worked or not. <laughs> oh, I, I got up this morning to come out here, and I see my daughter that was laying by me ended up in the living room. The Switch is out. The Nintendo Switch is out, and she had like a chair. I'm like, what? <laughs> you were in bed. What happened? Yeah, I, so think I don't know how long she yeah, was. She Rosie, an all-nighter, I think. Rosie had two stints in oh, bed with man. us last night. So good luck uh, on that. I, I am curious, you know, practice squad last year, you joined the team in September. Is Correct. that right of last season? So Arizona was your original stop. Came here in September. I don't think fans have a great grasp of, like, what is life on the practice squad like? So, you know, as best you can describe, what was your weekly daily routine last year i know you got called up late in the year to play a couple of games but what is a normal practice squad week like um essentially you're doing everything that you know the rest of the team is doing and all of that uh you know you may not be practicing with the ones or the twos but you're giving the offense or defense looks for the week that they're going to be seeing in the game um and you know you just really have to stay ready all week because you're in those same meetings and all of that so Really nothing is too much different. It's just you giving them looks in a game that you may or may not suit up. So you are part of the scout team each week. Is that right? So you're you're giving the starting offense whatever look that they're getting getting Correct. ready for? Okay. Um, hardest receiver to go up against? Um, I would say week in, week out for me it's been Alec Pierce just because he's given me so many different things. And, you know, I always try to challenge him myself. I don't want to give him the same look because – uh, if I'm going to be giving him a look, why not make him better? But also, why not get better for myself? Who's the best trash talker? Um, that's really hard to say because I don't really hear anything. I can tune out a whole lot of things. I feel like the shorter guys talk more trash. Oh, Isaiah McKenzie. I I, I was going to say. <laughs> Isaiah McKenzie for sure, man. He will come at you like for no reason. Like you won't even expect it. But I just kind of laugh it off and wave him off. <laughs> what is it about Alec? I think he's had a pretty good camp out here obviously we saw last year even as a rookie you know he can make a big play in a blink of an eye what is it about him that makes him so difficult um he has deceptive speed for sure that he can actually move and get in and out of his breaks is probably like something that you really don't expect from him unless you just really watch a whole lot of film but he's to me he's like really really sneaky good and like he can get those deep balls down the field the jump ball his size and his frame and I like him a lot as a receiver. Can Daryl Baker Jr. is with us. The sun's starting to rise here at Grand Park. We'll see. They're taking a little look on the field right now. We'll have to see if the Colts go indoors or outdoors today. Obviously, a ton of rain in the Indian Westfield area from last night. So we'll continue to monitor that throughout the day. Um, I know we're a month away, actually a month away today from the start of the regular season. Has it hit you yet that you know you – could be playing a starting type role. I mean, last year it was mainly special teams when you got got called up. I mean, it's a hell of a story to have gone from an undrafted free agent, not really playing as a rookie, to now all of a sudden when you guys play Jacksonville week one, you could be out there for 70%, 80% of the snaps. Um, I don't want to say it hit me. It's kind of like, like I always say, I prepare like a starter. So it's, 
in my head is like I'm gonna expect it in a sense because I've been working so hard and all of that and you know everything I've been doing out here a payoff during week one or week 12 whatever it is so I'm just going out there and just gonna play my game do what I can for the team contribute in any type of way so as you're heading into the preseason opener how much playing time if given the choice would you like heading into the preseason opener uh, as much as they give me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you play the want... full game if they offer it to you? Yeah, if I got to play the full game, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Smart answer there. Yeah, yeah. Um, born in Panama, um, you moved here at what age? Uh, I'd probably say when I was a couple months old, maybe like two or three months oh, what, old. Oh, really? Yeah, moved uh, to Savannah, Georgia from Panama City, Panama. Okay. So, yeah, my family, well, my parents are military. So, gotcha. right after that, we came to Georgia. And essentially, I've been there all my life. And then walk on at Georgia Southern. Did, how much football did you play in high school? Why, why do you think you didn't earn a scholarship? Um, you know, our, our school is pretty small. It's in the country. Um, not too many people make it out for really any type of sports from there. So it's a little harder to get recognition. And then we, we had average seasons, one winning season and all of that. So, you know, that plays a part as well. And, yeah. Best restaurant from Georgia you wish you could bring to Indy right now? Ooh. Best Ooh. restaurant? Mm-hmm. That's tough. It was a place up in Atlanta called Joy's Cafe that I tried a while back. One time, and then, like, I don't know what happened to the place or whatever, but that was, like, some of the best food i Joy's Cafe? Had. Yes. Okay. All right. Isn't that great? I mean, like, you, you know. Just the one experience. That's all you need right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need a Joyce Cafe right off here, yeah. off of 32. Well, Daryl, I, I know you got a busy morning. I appreciate you waking up with us and coming by. And, again, I, I don't think there is a Colts player on this roster that has um, helped himself more in this offseason. So congrats on that. I know it's still a long, long ways you. to go for you. Uh, good luck on Saturday, and uh, certainly good luck a week from, or a month from today when you guys open up the season. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys. Daryl Baker Jr. right there with us. Again, Mark, for fans that are coming out here, number 39 for the Colts. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, we've got the GOAT with us. That would be one and only Mike Chappell, training camp number 40 for Chapp. We're going to head indoors today for practices. A lot of rain in the Indy area last night. They came out, inspected the fields, and we were out here right at the start of the show, Mark. Oh, yeah. Um, and they decided to head indoors today for practice. Chap, if you look at the news item from yesterday, reportedly an offer was made to Kareem Hunt. He decided to pursue, you know, whatever, leave Indy without accepting said offer. What does that offer say to you about the Jonathan Taylor situation? It's they're just trying to find a, 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 a reasonable running back. I mean, they brought in Kenyon Drake and – Kareem Hunt would – I never thought Kareem Hunt, the interest was trying to put pressure on Jonathan Taylor. You're just trying to play in, in case, you know, the worst-case scenario. If he's not there for whatever a length of time, how do you get by for a month or whatever? And it, it certainly would be the short-term thing. But Kareem Hunt, he, he's doing like all players do. You're trying to find the best place. He'll probably sign and say, yeah, this, this, was, this was my best option. Well, it's because he got the most money. So it, it just kind of shows you that they want a veteran presence, but they certainly have a financial limit on how they're going to do it. Do you think given the Kareem Hunt story off the field, Jim Mersey's daughters would have to sign off on that? Oh, wouldn't? Certainly. But if that's the case, then, then 
they had to have signed off to have him come in here. So you think they signed off even for a visit? Well, from from what we've heard, that he they they offered him a contract, which he turned down. So so that means that what what if he had taken taken the deal? So that's really really an awkward situation, and everyone knows that in the NFL and in most sports, a tolerance for someone's off the field discretions rises with how good the player is. But some, sometimes when, when you stress horseshoe guys and character and and when it's when it's you know the if you call it alleged, I mean he was suspended for eight games for personal conduct. But when the video came out, what what he did, it, it's there. It's it's part of your resume. And I would think at some level you should it, there should be a line you won't cross. But when when you need help at certain positions, you you accept the, the baggage that comes with them. I think that's why it was so surprising, though, because Kevin went over that there was like 162 other running backs that had a better yards per carry than Hunt. Yeah, 3.8 last why, year. Why even bring that baggage in? There's obviously plenty of guys still available on the open market. It just seemed like a weird suggestion to even bring them in. Yeah, it, it's, it's the risk-reward. Is, is it worth it? Uh, I, I, I would mention Chris Lehman's, the, the, the quarterback. Which what he's he's uh, was it three games for personal? Yeah, he was involved in the Alvin Kamara incident right. in Vegas earlier this year. And, and he they knew they knew when they signed him that that incident was there, and they had to anticipate a suspension. and And this isn't like this is a potential starting cornerback. He's he's primarily been a special teams guy. So you just wonder the risk reward. You know, with with ninety players, you're going to have smudges on, on, on resumes, but you, I, I, sometimes I wonder if it's worth it PR-wise, even in this case player-wise, with what they bring. Again, they, they have to anticipate Jonathan Taylor being here, but you have to plan for him not to be here, and I think that's what that was. Okay, Mike Chappell's with us here, Fox 59, CBS 4. We are live in Westfield. The Colts are going to be practicing indoors here in about 40 minutes. I think we're reaching a point, Chap, here of like the Colts and or Taylor have got to start showing their cards, whether they want to speak on it or not. I think you're starting to see actions and whether that's Kenyon Drake, whether that's an offer for Kareem Hunt, to me, those are some actions. Taylor now off site. That's an action. You know, we'll hear from Jim Irsay, or I should say Greg Rakesraw. We'll probably hear from Jim Irsay theoretically a week from Saturday, as Jim typically makes that annual preseason trip to the broadcast booth during their home preseason game. What is next? in all of this what, what is it taylor returning is it him coming off the pup list i, I guess what, what are you waiting for next yeah he has to clear it to me he has to clear his physical and practice uh i i didn't view him not being here and, and practicing and rehabbing offside as anything but but a step back i mean that that's his that's when's the last time you can remember that a player let alone the offensive cornerstone for a team rehabbing elsewhere i i, I can't remember maybe it's happened but i don't remember it it's not a good sign when you go offside a month before the w- season w- started what's that telling your team i don't trust your your medical staff i mean i don't know how else you read it and i'm not sure what the, i assume the team could have said no you're not you're going to stay here but they didn't want to take defcon 3 to defcon 2 and so you you know I, from what i heard that they, they knew this was coming but again what are you going to do are you going to draw a line in the sand but at some time or at some point, like you said, you have to. At some point, you have to know, is he going to be here? And if he is, what's, what's, his, what's his, 
his mindset going to be? Is he all in? I remember talk. I talked to Edger and James uh, ten days ago, and he said that he wanted a new contract too that year, didn't get it, and then he came in and just balled out, mm-hmm. and then got what he could from Arizona. But at some point, something's got to move, and I'm not talking a player moving off site to rehab. I don't know how when you get another step down the road, when the team is convinced that you're healthy enough to practice, how do you force that player to practice? So does that mean an arbitration? Does that mean a grievance from Taylor? Did the NFLPA step in? I don't know. Like you said, whenever someone has to talk, I wish JT would talk because we're getting all the innuendos and, and, you know, half the truce or whatever you want to call it, and, and he could clear up everything. When we were talking to Shane Steichen the other day, which he talked more about Taylor than he had ever, only because we kept asking questions. But I asked him, I said, is this the same ankle that he hurt back in, in you know, last year and get the surgery? And he said he's got an ankle. Well, everything, the Indy Star reported that that surgery takes rehab is, what, two to four weeks, six right, weeks? Right. We're, we're seven, aren't we seven months in? Yeah. So is this the same ankle? Is this something else he did? Uh, and until you get some 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 clarity from the team or from Taylor, you just don't know. And it's not even that he's off-site. He's out of state, is he not? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's out of state doing this rehab as well, is he not? He's not in Beach Grove. So yeah. I, 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 so, it, it, again, going off-site. He's not at the Ursa YMCA downtown. <laughs> yeah, he's up at, he's up at Jimmy's at the, uh, at the hockey rink. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's not a good sign. When you're away, it's just, it's just the message is I trust my people. I don't trust your people. Right. And teams always want hands-on players. It's fine to go and get, you know, when you have an injury, to go get a second opinion or get your own guy to do the surgery. But to go rehab, I don't make too much out of it, but when you go rehab away from the team, it's just not a good sign. Mm-hmm. I know that the injury, and very understandably, is such the dominant topic with Taylor right now. But let's put that to the side for just a second. Do you think the Colts would still have the stance they, they seemingly have right now in not wanting to give him a contract extension if he were healthy? If he were practicing, do you think Jonathan Taylor would be under contract past the 2024 season? No. From what they said, no. They, I mean, Jimmy said they were, they were waiting until the end of the season to address it. I thought that – So why the change then? Is that Shane Steichen? I, you know, I've, I've, I took a, I've wondered – that, I mean, up until, you know, when, when we left, when the season was over, everything was talking about, you know, we're, we're going to look at Michael Pittman. We're going to, you know, we need to get JT extended. It was all positive and moving forward. And then it changed. I don't know that the injury would have changed it because, you know, it was a, it was a relatively minor surgery. I wonder the Shane Steichen influence. Did he come in and when he gets eyes on this entire roster, did, did he say, you know, this is really a, a quality running back, but I believe you can you can get by with mid-level talent, which I would argue not. But but maybe he doesn't want to you know sink fourteen fifteen million dollars a year into a running back. What what they had uh, was it Miles Sanders last year in Philly, twelve hundred yards, and they don't resign him. Now that's not Shane Steichen, but most teams it seems like don't think they need that guy. So is that an important text, by the way? I, the, the, it, it's the, pro- it's the, probably the, sounds like the aliens are arriving. It, it, huh? It's probably yeah. my uh, stepdaughter telling me, "Yeah, my, my kids, my grandkids got to school today, so everything's good." First day, first day. Let's go. Uh, uh, Mount Vernon area. So nice. 
So, yeah, I, I think that's a very good question on, on is, is the Shane Steichen, did he change the temperature or not? Because until until we got really to camp, it was all positive on, on what they were doing with Taylor. So I, I'm curious how this goes. Somebody's got to blink. And, and whether the team takes that next step to say, we think you're, you're ready to practice, and he says no, then it gets really dicey. I want to switch – the other side of the field, someone who is surprisingly out there and has been out there quite a bit is Shaq Leonard. Preseason opener coming up. Do you think he should get reps? And if so, how much? Rip. I, I, I would like to see him take a, a hit or two in, in a game. It, it, it'll be the last box he needs to check. I've been stunned how much he's practiced in, in up here. They never gave us any indication. When we talked to Chris Ballard, it was like sort of they're going to ease him in. And he didn't say pitch count, but – that's what I thought. And he's been out there. He's done everything. Like Kevin's mentioned, uh, he, he's done everything. Uh, contact, 11-11. The last thing is to, is to really take some contact when things aren't controlled and you've got to react and move. Maybe they think they can get that done in the joint practices with the Bears and, and, and Philly. I would just – I remember talking to Edger with this because he hated preseason games. I just never wanted the first hit on the quarterback or the receiver – to be in a game where it mattered, so so a bunch of a bunch of a bunch of uh, reps, no, some reps, a rep or two, yes, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. A UFO landing here <laughs> in Westfield. I've here. turned it down, any, and it just any minute. You know, you can go conspiracy theories with us here, chap. You know that, that, that the government does have aliens. We've been that told. always draws a big audience. So uh, Mike Chapel's with us here, Fox Fifty Nine, CBS Four. Uh, Sean McDermott, uh, Buffalo Bills head coach, having a press conference this morning. Uh, the announcement there is most of the Bills starters will play Saturday. Now he does say Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs will not play. I don't think we're too shocked by that. Uh, starters expected to play around a quarter. Chep, that's a that's a change from last year in the preseason opener. Buffalo, that was the opponent for Indy last year in the preseason opener. They did not play their starters. Um if you had a guess, what would you say starting playing time from Shane Steichen and the starters come Saturday? I, I and, and the one that matters is Richardson. Sure. Let, let, let's let's first go starters, and then we'll go Richardson. A, a, a series or two for starters, it, and it, not all of them. I mean, you know, we're not we're not going to see DeForest Buckner until we, September. We, yeah, and Buckner's banged up right now. Right. But do you think we see Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, those guys for a full quarter? If you're going to play Richardson, yes. So yes, I, I think again whether it's I think it's it's not so much quarters as it is plays. You know, let, let's say you say two series and you get two three and out, then they played six snaps. That's not enough. I, I think it's I think a lot of it's gonna gonna center on how much does a rookie quarterback play. And if you know, all we've heard is he needs reps. He needs reps. Well, if you're gonna put him out there, you 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 almost have to start him because you're gonna go out there with the first unit. You're not gonna put Anthony Richardson out there with. The number two defense, you're just or the number two offense, you're just not. So I think he plays. Richardson starts with with the first group, and then whether it's ten plays, twelve plays, twenty plays, I would think there's a chance there's more playing time in this game for Richardson than there might be in the last two preseason games. Because again, you've got those two practices with the Bears, and we've seen how little starters play after joint workouts, and then you get the Philly one. Now, maybe Richardson's different because, again, every every game he'll see something different. You know, he'll see something different 
Saturday, he'll see something different when the Bears are in here. He'll see something different than in the game against the Bears. He needs to play. But if you're going to play your, your rookie quarterback, it seems to me that needs to be with the starting offense. Not necessarily the running back, of course, or, or the receivers, but the offensive line. And we could argue they need to play too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not, not like they, they earned, you know, a pass on, on not playing much. And, and the fact that they've played – They've been together for every every rep. Has, has every some, single starting has, rep. Has anybody else been in there at all? No. Well, and that's that's encouraging. Except that was the case last year. Yeah. You know, so so they need they need to prove they need to prove that they're that they're back or or just about back. But so much will be on Richardson. How much he plays? I think he plays some. He needs to play some. Yeah. You know, I said this um, earlier in the week, chap. You think back to last year's preseason opener, and I get hindsight's twenty twenty, but your O line played in that game and had some issues whether it was false starts whether it was protection whether it was trying to convert in short yardage against buffalo second unit so you hate to read too much into these preseason games but we did see some splintering in that preseason opener um okay i tossed this question to steven holder yesterday and i apologize to him and i apologize to you because there's some numbers involved 12 quarters in the preseason okay so three games if I set the over-under of four and a half quarters, Anthony Richardson will play. Would you say over or under? Ooh, that's my Ball State education. That's 33% of the plays. Is that right? <laughs> well, I don't know. I went four and a half of the 12. I, I, I would say over. That's a game. That's, I'd say over. I'd say over because he, he, needs, he needs snaps. And you, you can protect him. Now you said he needs starting snaps. I I would be well, okay if the second you yeah I mean you would ideally see him with the first unit, but I'm not going to sit here and act like Quentin Nelson's going to play as many snaps as Anthony Richardson. True, that's in true. The, in the three preseason, and, and, and at some point you need to see what you've got depth wise, which I don't think any of us knows what they have depth wise on the offensive line. He, he, he again, I th- I think the starting offensive line needs to play. Richard, I'd say in this first game, if, if it's me, the first game, I I've, I've got Richardson out there with the first unit when they're done they're done the last two games he still needs to play and I don't, I'm not sure I would expose my offensive line the last two games when we don't know who the backups are so I I would ease that but I think the first game I would really want him out there with with, with Quentin and Kelly and Braden and all those guys Mike Chappell joining us. What Kev, what what did St- Steven say? Over or under? I think he said over. Yeah, I thought he said slightly over. Again, he I mean, would go over. He doesn't know if the Colts will go over, I think is what I he mean, said. I mean, you get to four and a half. I mean, right there you're thinking, okay, is that one and a half quarters you know, per game? Right. You know, when you break it down like that, that's a decent chunk. I, I know maybe four and a half out of 12 doesn't sound like a lot, but. And do you really need to see what you have in Gardner Minshew or Sam Ellinger you know, at this point? I mean, I Ellinger, no. But, you know, I, I think there would be an argument if you're going to play Minshew, which, again, I don't. I think right now Richardson is the week one starter. I don't say that with a ton of confidence, but that's my guess. Um, but if you're obviously going to play Minshew, then, you know, you would want him to get those reps with some of those important guys. Well, who, who of the quarterbacks gets some of those reps at the end of the preseason? I would hope it's Ellinger? Anthony Richardson. No, I'm, I'm – oh, You mean who plays the most of the three right. by the end of it? Ellinger, yeah, won't he? Because yeah. you do get into those second halves of preseason yeah. game. I, I don't know if we've entered a preseason chap where, A, we've cared so much about preseason playing time, and I think understandably, and B, it's such an unknown. And you just laid out some of the reasons why. You have these joint sessions leading into two of the three preseason games. Past precedent says you don't play starters very much at all after the joint sessions. But, again, new head coach, four-win football team, 
and a quarterback that has tons of inexperience. Everything that we've seen so far in practice with Richardson, I guess impressed is the right word. I don't know. I've not been disappointed. But we've not really seen what he can do because it's still a controlled – Yeah. You know, He's got the red jersey on. Right. And you can see the arm strength. But, but what about when he, when he does unleash – the run part of it, you really can't see in practice what that means. You know, does he break a tackle? Does he elude things? It's not quite the same. That's what's really going to be interesting. Again, like I said, everything he does from going forward will be new to him, which is a good thing. Mike Chappell joining us here live at Grand Park. Again, practice for the Colts moved indoors today due to the rainfall we got last night. So that is indoors. Uh, 750 people allowed to get into that one. Uh, By the way, I saw that they've already passed out all those wristbands. Oh, okay. So if you were planning to come up, try to get a wristband at whatever, 940, something like that. Unfortunately, it looks like you're going to be out of luck. Okay. Uh, Chap, who's been the most impressive player you've seen in camp so far? Ooh, uh, I like Alec Pierce. He's played well. Uh when nobody jumps out at me, and KB sort of looks, has got a better eye for that. Anybody? Yeah, I thought, you know, Kenny Moore had a really strong and first now, week or so, and now he's been a little bit banged up. Um, he would be someone. I mean, you obviously mentioned just in general the quantity of what Shaquille Leonard's done. I think now we can get into the quality of it, but I would say the quantity has stood out to me. So those would be a couple of names. Now, you know, again, once we get into – joint practices, you know, that's a better idea of, okay, how does your offensive line look? How does, how does Bernard Ryman hold up? Sure, and, sure, right. sure, sure. Yeah, so I think that'll be a little I, I, I wish I'd seen more so far from from the outside pass rushers, which I, I haven't I noticed. Agree. I haven't noticed Quiddy. I haven't noticed Dial that much. Yeah, Ebukam missed a week with he a missed, hamstring injury. And those are your guys. Yeah. I did something today about the, the cornerbacks, and we talked to Gus Bradley know, a week or so ago about defenses predicated on coverage and pressure and you've got unknown at both Mm -hmm. you've got you know so many young guys at corner and you don't know who or where the the consistent outside pressure buck's gonna get his eight or nine sacks because he always does but who who gets who gets the outside pressure you know when when you lose in even though i thought his nine and a half sacks were extremely misleading last year but who gives you that pass rush and i don't think they know Chap, I said this to Daryl Baker Jr. Maybe I waited till he was off air to say it, but we had him on to lead off the show today. You know, if they go to play tomorrow, that nickel group, which is on the field for a lot, is Kenny Moore, Daryl Baker, and Dallas Flowers. Daryl Baker's never played defensive snap in the NFL, and Dallas Flowers hadn't played defensive snap until last Christmas. So last, the last four games when everybody was hurt, right? That's when he played, right? A good amount, but you've got – I mean, think about it. I would argue, Chap, in NFL history, it is probably extremely rare to have two undrafted free agents at corner who barely played, if at all, in year one, all of a sudden in year two, ascend to these roles. But I guess that's what happens when you trade Gilmore, you don't re-sign Brandon Faison, obviously the Isaiah Rogers situation, and then Juju Brents and Darius Rush have really struggled to be on the field here in the offseason. Yeah, again, the stat that just – killed me I, I i checked it three times seven of their 10 corners entered the league undrafted really is it that's, that high that's crazy wow. must be a first the only three draft picks are this year's draft picks. and they're all rookies hmm. right the three draft picks are all rookies right so, wow. so it, it's it's just kind of crazy and you know i understand you know because chris ballard told us yeah we decided we're going to go young now again isaiah rogers really threw a monkey wrench into because he was going to be one of the starters probably he and Juju Brents, they they keep pushing Dallas Flowers, but like you said, he was their kick returner. 
he was a core special teams player until all the corners got hurt. Uh, and, and again, this is a passing league, and boy, quarterbacks, they find your weak link. And I, until – let's say Juju Brents. I, I think – I still think he's a starter. He'll have – he's got a month. He's got time to get ready. But – But time is ticking. No, And you need – you need three or four guys for, because of the way teams play. I mean, corners. And, you know, what, what if they miss Kenny Moore again? What, what, what if this ankle thing lingers? Right now it's hard to tell because in, in camp, if you've got something – they really err on the side of caution. The the, the youthfulness and inexperience uh, of the corners. I, I think the group has 15 interceptions, and Kenny Moore has 14 of them. So it's just it's one thing to rely on this guy or that guy to emerge as as a rookie or or an unknown guy, but you're you're going to expect three or four of these guys to to do something they haven't done to this point. Field Yates coming up, Mark. Yeah, he's coming up shortly. Ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Chap, thank you for the time. We appreciate My it. My pleasure. I know the alarm clock was probably one you wanted to snooze a little 6:50 bit 50 wake-up calls for me. That's, that's normal for you, but not for me. On this Thursday morning. Yeah, I don't know if you want to be. 6.50 is late for you. <laughs> I don't know if Kevin. you want to be uh, compared to the Jake Query sleeping patterns, but you and Jake are very similar. I, st- your, I stay up till 12, 31 o'clock and get up around 8.30. What are you watching post 10 p.m.? Just stuff. I channel surf and I play on my phone. So, no, it's just that's just my pattern now. Okay. I got you. And our Reds? Boy, they're tanking, aren't they? Oh, mm-hmm. man. Breaks my heart. Uh, Mark, Mark's a great story Mark's while, while it lasted. Cups, man. Yeah, I know. I know. We'll, we'll always have June, chap. We'll always have June. <laughs> Mike Chappell, CBS4, Fox 59, with us here live at Colts Camp. Thanks, chap. Thank you. Uh, indoors for Colts practice. Again, coming up at 10 o'clock here. Just three sessions left after today's practice. And, Mark, on the other side, we'll have Field Yates from ESPN. Yep, Field Yates joins us. We'll get some national thoughts on him and also some fantasy talk as well. I got some fantasy questions for him. We'll do that next. Field Yates from ESPN joins us to round out the show. Kevin and Query here, live from Westfield. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Found out this Thursday here at Colts Training Camp in Westfield, then with one of our favorites from ESPN. He is the one and only Field Yates. Field, it's kind of crazy to sit here and think, here we are, August 10th, one month from today. We will be fully entrenched, getting ready to be entrenched, I should say, with our first NFL Sunday of the regular season. I guess the juice is flowing just hearing that. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just thinking about it already. I'm fired up. i got to start thinking about what I'm going to have for breakfast that morning so that I can carb a load for about 12 hours of football that day. That's my idea of a marathon. None of this 26.2 miles. We settle instead for, what, 13 football games in one glorious Sunday. 
Yeah, I, my marathon's consisting of carbs and, and, and football. That sounds like something I can yeah. certainly achieve. Um, all right, obviously the biggest storyline here of Colts training camp field surrounding number 28, and that would be Jonathan Taylor and his situation, whether it's health, whether it's contract. Um, what do you make of how this has played out in a very public manner? Yeah, first of all, like uh, I don't want to sound like a like maybe just like a fanboy, but it makes me a little bit sad, guys, because uh, not that it's ever a good situation when uh, an organization or at least the owner uh, and a player are at odds publicly, but uh, it certainly is a little bit different when it's you know, arguably the face of the franchise or at least on the short list of faces of the franchise. I mean, two years ago, we're talking about one of the most dynamic seasons from a running back over the past decade. I keep thinking about the hard knocks clip, uh, the in-season hard knocks, when Chris Ballard uh, talked about how this is one of the five best playmakers, regardless of position, on offense in the NFL. I think this was kind mm-hmm. of in the construct of, like, are we going to eventually pay this guy, knowing that running backs are a bit trickier than wide receivers, uh, as we are talked about endlessly over the past month or so. And um, it's a bad look for, I would say, everybody. I don't know that I can necessarily uh, assign a, a certain percentage of blame Uh, to one side or the other. I would just say that it's so rare for teams to make family business public. But generally speaking, I think it's just a bad look when uh, the team sort of uh, amplifies the chaos. So um, I don't, I don't know if Jim Irsay has regret, but I certainly would have some regret about both the tweets and the on the record comments uh, about running backs and the way that they deserve to be paid right now, because I don't think it did a whole lot of good for himself, uh, for Chris Ballard, a first-year head coach, a rookie quarterback, a player in Jonathan Taylor who, by all accounts, and certainly you guys could tell me if I'm wrong or corroborate this, feels like exactly the kind of player that you want as a potential face of your franchise. Don't think you're wrong there. Field, a uh, question for you. Do you think the – have you heard from any players or coaches around the league regarding this Jonathan Taylor situation? And if so, what have they said about it? Yeah, it's, it's funny. You know, part of my job is, uh, is going out and, like, seeking comments and opinion when things take place around the NFL – um, and then there are times where it just comes right to you. And I heard probably the most from front office people right after everything went, I'd say the trade request slash some of the comments from Jim Irsay, uh became public and even the tweet. And the sentiment was, I tell you what, if this guy is actually plausibly tradable, the owner just did a real disservice to the general manager, made the job a lot harder. I'll tell you that much. Because, uh, you know, I, we always say, What's the most important thing in a trade? It's leverage, right? You want to have the leverage, and you're trying to find somebody who lacks the leverage or at least is willing to, you know, take some sort of uh, compens- or give you some sort of compensation that makes it worth your while. So I think that uh, with the Colts, like I'm, I'm not, you know, leverage it does still exist in the sense that Jonathan Taylor is a really good player and a team might be desperate enough to trade a pick. But uh, the idea that this guy could be sold or could be traded at peak value, I think, went by the wayside. Uh, the minute that Jim Irsay opened his, uh, his, his mouth slash uh, the Twitter app or the X app right now. So how do you see this Jonathan Taylor situation playing out? You know, I have asked, and, it, it, there, and I always tell people that the, uh, the opinions of a few are not the opinions of the consensus. Um, I always think about that during the draft process. When you hear from people that say, you know, this guy stinks or this, this guy's the best, right in whatever it might be. Uh, I always tell people, though, that, so, so I, I try to like stop short of saying that like a few people's opinion is definitely representative of what's going to happen. 
I have heard from people that have felt like there is a possible market for Jonathan Taylor in a trade, even if the Colts have made it clear they have no intention of executing such a trade. I just think that the reality is Indianapolis is going to have to make a decision is if the bottom line in this potential trade is maximizing compensation, you have to accept that that probably went out the window uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, If the bottom line is to get just anything in return, like something sufficient um, and sort of uh, turn the page on this, then it's plausible. I I just, I still think push comes to shove. The most likely scenario is kind of what happened in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Uh, Even if there is a trade request, even if you have the chance to survey the market, oftentimes the best scenario is just finding a way to patch the relationship back together. And the Colts can do that um, probably by paying Jonathan Taylor what he wants. You have to make a decision fundamentally if that's the best way to build your roster, given the fact that we've seen how teams have devalued the running back position. At the same time, if you feel like maybe the time to do that is when you have a running back who still has plenty of good football ahead and you've got a quarterback who is on a rookie contract, which does change the dynamics for your roster, maybe that's the way that this gets smoothed over. And um, you can't let emotions dictate every decision, but it feels like until there's some sort of resolution with Jonathan Taylor, it almost feels like the rest of the franchise is in like a state of suspended time. Field, I, I don't want to spend the entire segment on Jonathan Taylor. And by the way, Field Yates is with us. Uh, obviously, you see him all over ESPN, Fantasy Focus. We'll, we'll chat a little fantasy football with him as well. But I trust your you know national brain so much on this that I, I want to ask what you think possible compensation would look like. Let's say there is a multiple-team market out there for Jonathan Taylor. We saw Christian McCaffrey, a second, a third, a fourth, and a future fifth last year. Again, he was under contract for several more years. He brings that third-down hybrid presence. So I know it's not apples to apples, but what do you think a potential trade package would look like for Jonathan Taylor? I don't know if this is because we've seen trades that have had conditions uh, executed uh, recently. Obviously, the Carson Wentz trade is one of them. We have the Aaron Rodgers trade. But that seems to be the consistent theme is that it's been all over the board. I've had teams that have told me, hey, listen, if I'm going to trade a guy and have to pay him $18 million a year, I've had people in front offices say, like, I'm not giving more than a fourth-round pick. You're paying double freight there, right? The draft pick plus the contract. And I'm not even sure the contract is the right way to go, given the fact that running backs these days are so replaceable. I've had others that have told me, hey, if you want this guy bad enough, uh, because you think he is the, the over-the-top piece, the guy that can take you from good to great or great to elite, elite to the Super Bowl favorites, it's got to be something like a third-round pick with conditions. If this guy, uh, if, if Jonathan Taylor rushes for 1,500 yards or if Jonathan Taylor and the team that he gets traded to make it to the conference championship game, whatever the conditions are, maybe you're willing to boost things up to a second-round pick. I've not heard a first-round pick, which should be a surprise to absolutely nobody. And because I've, I've asked the same question that you just presented about, like, how does the Christian McCaffrey trade factor into things? And the reality was that it uh, was a much more unique situation. We were in the middle of the season, so your, your, your clock was a little shorter. Uh, beyond that, the 49ers did feel like um, when, in acquiring Christian McCaffrey, they were kind of getting him at a bit of a value because of the fact that for the, I believe it was, three years remaining for CMC, maybe four years, uh, three and a half, I guess, based off of when he was traded last year. It was like a three and a half year for like 
six thirty-seven million dollars, which is probably different than what I think Jonathan Taylor would want right now over the next three to four years, right? He's probably looking for fifteen, sixteen million dollars per year to be paid as the highest paid running back uh, in the NFL. Um, I, I, I think that the Colts um, probably need to be maybe fans more so than the team because they're they're aware of the landscape. Um, I think probably prepared for like less than what you might think when you, if you had, you know, three months ago in a bar mentioned the idea of trading Jonathan Taylor in, in a group of friends, like you'd be thinking, you know, full freight, I want the moon, right? I want a great young player and picks. Now I think the, uh, the landscape is decidedly different, both because of the nasty public nature of the situation. And then also the fact that the running back market is just so not exactly sure what the word is right now, other than devalued, but you've got great players that are, or guys that have had great careers that are still available on the free agent market in part because they're waiting for that big contract to come, and I'm not so sure it's anything close to inevitable. It's Kevin and Query on 93.5107.5 The Fan. ESPN Fields Yates joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline Field. I do want to switch a little over to fantasy football. we got leagues starting up. You do the fantasy focus as well. I have one more Jonathan Taylor question regarding that, though. Given his unknown status, I mean, he's pretty high up on draft boards, is he not? And uh, what should players, what should uh, players of fantasy football do when it comes to Jonathan Taylor as far as projections and drafting him? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so I actually uh, recently did an update to my rankings, and there was a time where I think I had Jonathan Taylor sixth or seventh overall, regardless of position. Um, he's now down to 19, and I mm. think what you have to do is be prepared for anything. Um, this has shades of where we've been with players in recent uh, off-seasons. Avion Bell uh, was one where the year that he ended up sitting out, uh, there was a time where people were thinking to themselves, all right, if I take him you know, first or second overall, it could be burning that pick on fire. But if he slides to pick 25, I could have you know the biggest seal in the history of fantasy football. And so if uh, you're drafting now and you, you get Jonathan Taylor at pick 19 or 22 or 25 or something like that, and fences are mended, or he gets traded somewhere and has a chance to be that lead back, which if I'm trading for Jonathan Taylor, I'm only doing so to make him my workhorse for at least 2023, then you might well have the steal of the draft. The hard part is I try to tell people frequently that in most cases, most, not all, but in most cases, the first round or two of your fantasy draft, it's hard to win the league because there are so many good players that go in that first two rounds, but it's easier to lose your league because – if there are, you know, 17 or 18 of the top 20 picks that pay off and you grab one of the two or three that don't, you've set your roster back in a pretty significant way. All right, Field, last one. We can't thank you enough for the time here on this Thursday morning. Again, Field, Yates, see him all over ESPN uh, and the Fantasy Focus. I am one of the worst fantasy football owners you will ever meet. My teams are horrific on an annual basis. I need two to three Field, Yates-related core beliefs entering my upcoming draft oh wow first of all we're going to change your luck i got a feeling on that my core beliefs are pretty simple here is one is like use your late round picks like call it rounds eight or nine and beyond and just like always think about the players that if the best case scenario hits can win the league for you right like you know a guy that you think has a real chance i'm not trying to uh like last year or a couple of years ago when T.Y. Hilton was at like sort of the latter stages of his Colts career, you kind of knew what he represented, right? Like the days of him being a top five or top eight receiver are probably gone. He could be a really serviceable serviceable player. Instead, you want to say to yourself, all right, 
I'm going to draft Alex Pierce in the 13th round because, well, I don't know exactly what he's going to look like in year two. Maybe he makes a leap and Anthony Richardson becomes, you know, this star quarterback in a hurry. So always swing for the fences in the later rounds. You know, if you're only doing one draft, I do think there is some comfort in having a running back on your roster early. And then, you know, last year this didn't necessarily pay off, but I do believe that uh, waiting for a quarterback can really pay some dividends. You know, you can draft a guy like Patrick Mahomes, 15th overall, and he'll be great, no two ways. But, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert are going to have great seasons as well. And Trevor Lawrence is going like 75th right now and on average in ESPN drafts. So uh, it's, it's value-based drafting is what we talk about all the time. So that would be a big one to keep in mind as you get ready for your draft year. Field, we appreciate the time as always. Thank you for joining us. We'll use those for our drafts coming up. Field Yates, uh, ESPN's Field Yates, joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. It's Kevin and Query out at Grand Park. We'll let you go. We'll talk to you Friday morning at 7 a.m.